So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going next. In this week's show, I'm joined by Fred Shacknees, the Senior VP and Treasurer at Hilton Worldwide. Headquartered in Virginia, Hilton Worldwide, as many of you will already know, are an American multinational hospitality group. In 2018, they were recognized as one of the best workplaces to work in. And in recent years, they've moved back from, well, they've been both a public, a private, and more recently a public company again, which I'll ask Fred to perhaps explain a little bit more detail in the show. But as you Treasury guys love your facts and figures, I just wanted to highlight a couple of their numbers because I think they're truly amazing. So Hilton Group have 16 world-class brands, 5,500 properties, 895 rooms, 109 countries and territories. Get your head around that lot. And they've, in their 100-year history, welcomed more than 3 billion guests. And I've been one in the past and been very happy. Sometimes on the podcast, I give a detailed introduction to our guests. But rather than that today, what I want to do is get Fred to tell us about himself rather than me ruin it for all you guys. Kicking off into it, Fred, you've got a degree from Brown and an MBA from New York. Maybe talk us through your first moves into the world of corporate treasury and how you started out, if you would. Sure thing. Thanks, Mike, uh, very much for the opportunity and uh, glad to be joining you today. After college, I started out actually on a trading desk, somewhat uh, through happenstance. I knew coming out of college that uh, I kind of wanted to focus on economics. That was my degree. And the reason being, I was just sort of quantitatively oriented. But uh, I think what I found interesting about economics was it's something that kind of had a, a social impact too as well. I mean, it's really just as much about psychology as it is about math. Mm-hmm. So coming out with that economics background, I kind of decided to go into finance and stumbled into treasury really by way of a trading desk. Not that I saw myself as a trader per se, but uh, that's where an, an interesting opportunity came up. And uh, so the first five years I spent trading currencies and, and interest rates and, and uh, doing sales as well. Having done that, and that was a fantastic and, and fascinating place to spend a couple of years, but you know, I didn't really have any particular idea of, of what happened, what transpired in that value chain that I was on right. before me or really after me. Um, and as fascinating as those kind of microseconds are, you know, when between bids and asks and price changes, um, I, I wanted to get a kind of a bigger picture of a better understanding of what was going on uh, in, in the entirety of the of the finance value chain. So I decided to go back, get an MBA, and then from that uh, went into the corporate practitioner world. And uh, that's something I'd kind of gotten a glimpse of, um, having spent some time in corporate sales desks as well, speaking with corporate treasurers and understanding about their perspectives, the problems that they faced, and really how it fit in with the bigger picture of the, you know, of the issues that their companies were dealing with. Having gone through, uh, having got my MBA, worked then for three companies. The first one was Lucent Technologies or what was then Lucent Technologies based in New Jersey. After that with what was then Constellation Energy based in Baltimore. And now for the last uh, 10 years or so have been with Hilton here in Virginia. And with those roles at Lucent, that was your, your sort of introduction to Treasury, if you like. You came into it, so you, you focused on sort of in-house banking and things. And Or how did your Treasury career grow? Because, you know, you're the global treasurer of, of Hilton. So you got it done pretty well through those years. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting transition to go from a, a trading desk uh, mm-hmm. with a mindset of a trader and into that of a corporate uh, Treasury practitioner. 
and, and obviously you've got to shift your objectives, your framework, your risk perception, everything else that you look at. So, you know, the, the problems that Lucent was dealing with at the time, being a growing global multinational company at the time, lots of issues with global liquidity, with global risk. And, and those are the kind of things that somebody, you know, who works on a, in a trading desk uh, probably has a good sense of. Most of the issues that I focused on when I was at Lucent had to do with dealing with kind of global growth and the financial consequences of that. So in-house banking, yes, was definitely one of the, one of the big successes there by implementing a very successful in-house bank platform in terms of what it was able to achieve, but also in terms of how it did it in terms of technology and process and everything else. It really did have some, some positive financial impacts for the company in terms of ability to repatriate cash, in terms of ability to get our arms around risk. And um, so, you know, lots of good lessons learned there about, uh, I think, how to things that companies should look at with rolling out that type of platform. And from technology and telecoms, you then made move into America's Energy Choice Constellation, or explain those guys. And it was a move of location as well. And it was, and partially based on the fact that uh, my I'm from the Baltimore area originally, right. and my family was uh, nearby there. And this move happened shortly after our first two children. We have twins. Uh, were born. So the idea of being closer to family sort of grew in significance in terms of career choice. So an interesting, you know, change in terms of not just location, but industry, everything kind of from the uh, utility management side to longer term projects of nuclear power plant generation and and, uh, to the kind of the day-to-day volatility of trading activity. Um, So, you know, had an, an interesting portfolio with treasury challenges, let's say. So what then happened with Constellation as they evolved or changed? What happened with the group? So the company, uh, very successful in lots of different activities, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately was, was acquired by, by Exelon. And it just so happened that around the same time that that transition was going on, Hilton was relocating from Beverly Hills to uh, Northern Virginia. So an opportunity came up at Hilton that I think was just, you know, too good to pass up. Kind of going back to, so my, my roots and interests really lie with international, with global enterprise and the challenges of, of international finance. And Hilton having, as you mentioned earlier, a really profound global footprint, which is really uh, absolutely fundamental to who we are. It, that, that was an exciting opportunity. I, you know, I, I myself was one of the, those three billion folks that you, you kindly pointed out at the beginning. And so it's just kind of one of those brands that, you know, a majority of people have a very positive affiliation with, and myself included, and having traveled quite a bit myself, as I have, uh, the idea of being part of an institution that sort of fosters international travel was certainly attractive in and of itself. You joined Hilton back in 2009. Where was it in its journey, if you like, because you've been there, what, nine, over nine years now. And throughout that time, it's, it's, it's changed a lot as a company. Treasury to one side, we'll dig down into that. But how was it different? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I joined immediately after the relocation from California to to Virginia, right. uh, which came shortly after the company was acquired by Blackstone right. and yeah. was taken taken private. A number of profound changes there in terms of leadership, the ownership, in terms of kind of the, the entire corporate leadership team. But the timing of that ill-fated though it was in the, in the, the downturn of kind of 2008 and nine. Hmm. It was, a, you know, that was a rocky time for a lot of companies, you know, and Hilton included. And so lessons that I had learned in terms of managing liquidity and dire straits at two companies prior uh, certainly came into play as well. And, um, you know, I think, though, that I mean, Hilton 
has a, a very strong franchise, very strong brand, and withstood uh, all the cash flow tests during that period very soundly and, and has, has, has really solidly rebounded since then. So as you went through that downturn and recovered, uh, the company changed as well. You went back to public and there were a couple of different changes. How did that change or, and affect you guys in Treasury and your role and you know, what happened? Yeah, so uh, it definitely is an interesting uh, transition point. The company being private for a number of years was an essential phase in its in its development, I think. I mean, a number of changes had to happen in terms of not just the physical location of the company, but in terms of the makeup of the organization, in terms of refreshing a number of the brands, in terms of integrating a number of the corporate activities, and really just revitalizing the entire corporate enterprise. And I think those types of decisions, many of which are very expensive and many of which are very painful, are often, I think, best executed under the umbrella of of a private institution. And I think that's a lot of those changes are what Hilton was able to make. And I think in the in the years that followed, I think the leadership team has done a fantastic job of of exactly that, of really revitalizing the corporate enterprise and, and the franchise. So from that, you know, the, the company I think has rebounded uh, very successfully in terms of sponsoring organic growth, not just of net units of hotel rooms and, and hotels, but also in terms of brands. All of that obviously was being done by a, a, a PE investor, was done with the expectation of eventually returning to, to the public markets. Right. Uh, and so that was done in, in 2013. Uh, the company went through its actually second IPO, uh, the first one being uh, a couple decades earlier. Yeah. So that transitioned back into the public world. I think by that point, I would say it really wasn't that tremendous of a change because by the time we'd gotten into the tail end of this ownership phase, many of the corporate controls that you would normally associate with public life, you know, were already in place. Many of the disciplines in terms of management structures were already in place. You know, there, there was a bit of a transition in terms of our, our main owner being from sort of the, you know, sole to majority to minority to now, you know, entirely disinvested. You know, there, there was some change there in terms of who reports what to whom. But really, in terms of the, the, you know, all of the installation and the growth of the kind of the corporate engine behind it all, I think, was already in place. And with, with that throughout the time that you've been there in the nine and a half years, you know, a global multinational, you've led teams, the US and UK and, and overseas and different integrations with Treasury globally. What's it been like for you leading a global Treasury team? What's your leadership style for those guys? Are you hopping on a call every week or how do you spin the plates for each of the different locations as it were? When I got to Hilton uh, nine years ago, I, I was actually the only person on my team here in the head office and, and everyone else was either in our one of our hubs in Memphis or outside of London. And so I had literally no connection to them other than telephone and email and whatever data they were able to share in whatever format. You know, and to answer that question about how does one lead a global team, it's putting in place a stool of people, process, and technology. And that, you know, has to span globally, you know, for, for all of those things to, to come together. In terms of the technology, which was a, a large piece of focus for, for several years, uh, it was just getting all of the different offices on the same technology platform. Without that, you know, it's impossible to share 
data and much less intelligence. So that was a that was a key focus for really the first five years, I think, of being here. But along with that is aligning process and making sure that everybody is working under the same set of policies and according to the same standards and according to the same goals. The uh, the last piece there of people is the hardest one to realign and it's the most important. You can't do that without a certain amount of face-to-face. And I do travel to try to get in front of the other teams, maybe not as much as I could. As much as you can. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, as much as as, as much yeah. as one can. But, uh, you know, it, it's putting other people in front of their faces too. So we, you know, we're trying to be more mindful about building connections, not just at my level, but up and you know, up and down the, the organization. Getting people to to the point where you know, even if you're in a different location or a different continent or a different time zone, you know, it's knowing what your colleagues are doing so that if you call them up, you know where they are in their day and their workflow. Um, everybody's essentially working as part of the same team, you know, even yeah. if they're not co-located. Um, and, and again, getting to that level of sort of people alignment, you can't do it without process and you can't do that without technology. And Fred, you talk there about all pointing one direction, everyone processes everything. But how did you come up, come up with those goals? What, what's the ethos for the treasury team at Hilton Worldwide? So um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, aligning everybody around the same purpose, around the same goals really does start top down. And I think to give credit where due, I think Hilton and the leadership here have done a tremendously good job at defining that at the corporate level and, and pushing it out. And so our vision, mission, and values is all very clear. You know, we all know that whether we're working in one side of treasury or the other or accounting or anything else, you know, it's all going to the same goal uh, as a hospitality company. But, you know, pushing that down more tangibly into what does that mean for finance? What does that mean for treasury? You know, all derives from top-down mission statements. And, you know, for, for my role, it's up to me to sort of take what's, you know, what's given to me at the, you know, from CFO level down yeah. and articulate that to my team, you know, and, and, and pull them behind a common purpose, you know, and we say, you know, this is why we do what we do. We don't do it to manage cash. We don't do it to trade currencies. You know, we do it to make sure that, you know, our goal, which is to fill the, the earth with the light and warmth of hospitality yeah. is, is something that we can continue to fulfill. And so, you know, obviously then that that's all sounds very good, but then it comes down to some tactical matters of, of treasury management. It's, you know, aligning everybody around a common set of goals and a purpose and making sure that everybody knows, you know, how what they do every day fits into that, those common purposes. And so, you know, from, from kind of corporate to, to finance, to treasury, and, you know, it parcels out into there's matters of cash management and operations, there's matters of banking, there's matters of financial risk, there's matters of, of liquidity. Everybody hopefully understands how what they do ties into the goal above them and the goal above that. When people actually look through your profile, perhaps on LinkedIn and look there, you guys have won some awards. Now, what have those been? You've got a pinnacle award for through the AFP, Alexander Hamilton, what have those been for? Not just saying, oh, we did this project, thanks very much. But how did it come about? Or what? Give us some examples there. The first of the three chronologically was the Pinnacle Award, the grand prize from uh, a couple of years back. That was related to work we had done on cash flow forecasting, which really was kind of a byproduct or was in reaction to the company's transition from private to public and and uh, with with the IPO and so it was in response to some changes in how we had to manage cash and so to sort of to react to your question earlier about you know what did it mean to transition out i guess at a more tactical level 
you know, there were some other, other reactions. And so, you know, the cash flow forecasting requirements of a public company versus a private one, it's, it sounds simple. You know, it's, it's a large event. And as you can imagine, for a company yeah. of our size, and it's something that, you know, you, you can throw loads and loads of bodies at, but, you know, there's better ways of doing it. And that's kind of the gist of what we did was really just kind of building a better mousetrap when it came to forecasting methodology. It was, you know, I guess the secret sauce of it was taking that data that was available, which, you know, that's not always perfect and making the best use of it by kind of just applying some statistical overlays and some kind of rational conclusions to sort of normalize and to kind of build a forecast where imperfect data was, you know, or, or, or where the data wasn't perfect, I guess. Yeah. And you actually got a result that was actually meaningful sort of thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we got a, you know, from that, there was a, for that point of our transition, we got a, a process that was really by all accounts kind of you know, FTE-wise more efficient and still providing a, a great output in terms of, of intelligence. And then a couple of the other projects, you know, again, that's, is that the evolution of Treasury you've seen it through or what, what's been happening? Yeah, and so the other two projects, I'll sort of respond to them together. One was related to global liquidity and one was related to global risk. And to be fair, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. Each yeah. one of them was sort of a, a large and, and multi-year project by itself. But to collectively, they kind of they speak to sort of Hilton's you know, ongoing growth overseas. And as you kindly noted earlier, you know, we're in 109 countries and territories yeah. now and continuing to grow. And, you know, harking back to earlier days of my own career at Lucent, not dissimilar challenges of, of any company that exists and is growing in, in many places around the world, you know, presents loads of challenges in terms of, of managing liquidity efficiently, avoiding trapped cash, getting it back in a way that's, you know, friendly from a perspective of tax and accounting and, and treasury. And, and so, you know, the cross-currency aspects of that were challenges that we needed to get a better handle on the kind of the, the liquidity visibility aspects of that we need to get a better handle on. And, um, you know, each of those was a, was a multi-year project in its own right and grateful and thankful that, uh, for getting a little recognition for each of those. Each one of those is, is obviously a team effort, and it was good to draw some attention to the work that many members on the team had been doing. And that team, how, how are you structured and you know, what would you say has been key to the success of that team? What's your ethos? And, you know? our, our team is organized with kind of a, we've got a regional treasury organization that uh, sits in three locations and looks after cash and banking and, and is really the, the sort of liaison to the operational finance world. Um, on all matters relating to treasury. And then we have two corporate-based teams, one that's sort of aligned to kind of front office responsibilities and really looks after the managing of risk and liquidity. Mm-hmm. And another, essentially a middle office team that looks after the systems, process controls, and, and data that flows in and out. In terms of central ethos of building that team has been, um, I think, striking a balance in terms of diversity, of skill set, of background, of mindset, of personalities. And, you know, I think we do have a good, healthy diversity on all of those fronts. And, you know, I mean, if anybody on the same expertise, you know, it, it, you wouldn't really get a lot done and you wouldn't grow very much, you know. Yeah. And, and part of that, the benefit of that diversity is just bringing lots of different, uh, different viewpoints, you know, and, and, often, and often healthy disagreements on things, which is something that I absolutely value, you know, in my, in my own team. So having open debates on topics and coming to, I think, coming to a better outcome than you would if everybody just said, yes, boss, that sounds great. Yeah, that's how we do. Um, when you talk about diversity, widening that sort of definition, you know, 
we've looked at the women in treasury. I did a women in treasury month that she was very successful. It was quite an interesting one because there were a couple of my guests who, uh, and these, these were ladies and they said, well, actually it doesn't matter, Mike, you know, it's about, you know, not gen- just gender. It's about equality with, you know, looking at disabled people, looking at different people coming from different ethnic backgrounds. It's a, you know, a much wider issue and that's what they were definitely supporting. But yeah. you say about the diversity and the different makeup of the background, how do you try and encourage that? Or what's your sort of you know, thoughts around that? In my own career experience, I've, I've had the unique opportunity to experience diversity and the lack thereof on a, on a couple of fronts. Uh, the first five years uh, of my career, I was working in Saudi Arabia and on an entirely male company. Thankfully, after that, every other organization I've worked in has been roughly 50% female and kind of within the treasury domain, sometimes even uh, more than that. Yeah. And so, you know, I will say having experienced one extreme there, and then, you know, I, I definitely favor, I favor the, the kind of diversity of, of gender as well as other dimensions of, of opinion, have also worked overseas, um, uh, have, have worked with a number of folks from really all parts of different worlds. And, you know, I can say firsthand, I mean, I, I do very much favor diversity in terms of not just ethnic or, or, or you know, national or, or cultural. There's lots of different factors there that influence how people think about things and address them. And I, and I do very much favor, you know, diversity on that front as well. But I mean, even besides that, there's people who some are more sort of, you know, organized than others, conceptual than others. Some are more faster, slow thinkers. Some are more introverts or extroverts. I think each one of those dimensions influences how somebody views a problem. Fundamentally, that's what any of us are trying to do is just deal with the problems, you know, be they kind of short term or long term. Having that breadth of background and experience, I think ultimately makes you better problem solvers as a team. And when you're, you know, taking that the the further on step when you're recruiting, what are you looking for in terms of those people? Yeah, I think, you know, anybody who walks in the door looking for a job in treasury is almost certainly someone who's, you know, at least sort of quantitatively minded, hopefully kind of logic minded as well. Uh, You know, and I think that applies for anybody who's looking for a finance job in general. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for what, what I find interesting and what's kept me in treasury for all of my career has been, you know, the unique characteristic of, I think, you know, everything we do in treasury, just having this profound immediacy, yeah. um, you know, everything has a kind of a real tangible immediate impact and short time frames and, and imperfect information often and usually with, you know, material impact. That type of thought process, I think, takes a certain type of personality to it. You know, someone who I think there's a there's a level of maturity and confidence, but I think also a level of even risk tolerance. You know, I think which is sort of you don't hear treasurers talking about the benefits of risk tolerance too often. But the reality is that everything we do, you know, recommending a decision on something or making a decision on something, Everything we do is we're taking some risk on because nothing that we react to has perfect information. in. My framework coming from a trading desk, that's what trading is. You know, it's making time crunch decisions with material impact based on imperfect information. How has world of treasury changed, would you say? And where do you see it going next? I think everything I describe there, I think, is what makes for a, a thoughtful treasury practitioner. But the special ingredient, the one that makes a perfect candidate, I think, is the ability to communicate and to interact and yeah. to manage people, you know, whether it's up, down or sideways and, you know, to demonstrate leadership potential. 
put that in the context of, I think, where, where Treasury is coming from and going to, in the end, all we're doing is not even managing money. We're managing information for the most part. You know, we have to appreciate the fact that the role of capital and technology relative to the role of labor, you know, will continue to shift in our industry just like every other. Some of the advice that I've given to folks is say, assume that at some point during your career, you will be partially, if not fully automated out of a job. That may or may not happen, but I think it's a good assumption to make because all of us, whether it's in treasury, you know, whether we're managing cash or risk or we're at the treasurer level or anything else, I mean, we're all just basically human algorithms. Some of us a little fuzzier than others. But when you think about it in terms of, think about your job as you would describe it to a software engineer, hopefully you'll be in a better position down the road to continue to be one of those folks that's kind of solving problems. When you said that, I've had a number of these conversations, obviously, and I spoke to Mark, actually, just this, this week's episode has just come out from Johnson Controls. And he talked, number one, about communication skills. He started very similarly, actually, in more of a sales role before he st- kicked off his career in earnest with Johnson Controls. And but he said those communication skills that he learned in that sales role really helped him. And that's one of the yeah. things he sees from his team. But then we also mm-hmm. moved into the technology space and or talking about that. And one of the things we sort of, uh, you know, and I've talked with a couple of other people is it seems that the, the pyramid of treasury, if you like, has, you know, it used to be this, you know, big wide triangle, but now it's got narrower and there are still those similar, there are still roles in treasury, you know, people aren't going to be automated completely out of jobs. But mm-hmm. instead of having two more junior people just doing a more junior turn the handle type job, actually, you're going to need one more senior person, not senior, senior, but an operational type person who will supervise, the, you know, make sure that everything works. So there's still a need. It's more the thought strategic problem solving, which sounds like you're, yeah. you're seeing as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and, you know, to the point about communication, mm. You can't be effective in that role of not only problem solving, but then articulating the problem to, you know, everybody you're working with without those communication skills. So yeah. I think, you know, it's it, absolutely key to any to the success for anybody in that role. Okay. And then looking back at you and your history, if you like, what would you put down as some of your success factors? You're the, the treasurer of Hilton Worldwide. What would you put it down to? I'll expand it a little bit beyond myself to the success of others I've observed as well in in the course of my career. And at one level, it comes down to finding the problems that need solving. Having worked in four different companies and four different industries, on the one hand, kind of every company feels that they're unique and each one of them is unique in their own mind, I'm sure. Um, In the end, you know, the treasury issues that span across them are, are more similar than they are dissimilar. But the context di- different for each company. The, the prioritizations are different for each company. So, you know, I would say as a matter of career success, you know, make sure you're, you're bringing the right tool to the right job in terms of figuring out what problems are most prioritized at, for the company that you're part of. But beyond that, other bits of career advice I would pass on and is to try to get the broadest career path you can. I, I myself, for one reason or another, have been fairly specialized in what I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, frankly, if I could go back, I'd like to have experienced a broader selection of, of different functions on my way up that ladder. You know, and so I would that's something I would encourage others to do, too, is experience different different ways of thinking, you know, different types of problems and, and experience working with different types of people, too. Tying all those things together, though, the ability to manage people up, down and sideways and the ability to communicate is absolutely fundamental, I think, to anyone's success. Amazing. Well, I think, you know, I think it was we wrap up today's show and 
Fred said it was uh, going to be okay. We'll put it in the show notes, his LinkedIn link, so you can perhaps connect with him if it's appropriate and everything else. You know, you've obviously given back through the AFP. You're on the board there and everything else. And and looking, you know, just to wrap up today's show, what advice are you going to give to you know one of those guys who who says, right, actually, I I want to be the treasurer of Hilton or I want to be involved in the AFP or want you know want to emulate yourself. Any other things that you'd say? Yeah, I think getting involved is is key, and I think that applies to probably any any role in in any uh, type of industry. I think uh, you know, having spent my career in treasury, uh, you know, on the one hand, I would say it's a perfectly good place to spend your career. On the other hand, I would be uh, I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say that there aren't great opportunities to do things elsewhere too, because I've yeah. not experienced any of them. But uh, you know, joking aside, spending your career in treasury, I mean, it's it's obviously great for folks who are. Uh, you know, particularly quantitatively oriented, particularly logic oriented. You know, as I said, I think, you know, the ability to kind of be able to take confident risks based on imperfect information and and to deal in the immediacy of the now, I think are are also characteristics that, you know, if that sort of appeals to you, then then treasury is, is a great place to spend your career. Don't underestimate kind of the importance of people and the importance and dealing with people is about communication. And whether you're dealing, whether your career is in treasury or, or takes you anywhere else, you know, I think those lessons will apply no matter where you are. A great summary, I think, from Fred. Thank you very much for your time today. As I said before, if you want to connect with Fred, feel free, look at his LinkedIn link. I look forward to my next stay at Hilton. That's great. Thank you very much, Mike, for the opportunity. And uh, we're looking forward to having you. Great stuff.